Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. This is about an uh, evil genius in love. Evil genius mind. <laughs> if you want any chance to recoup your money and get anything out of that podcast, do exactly as I say. No, you're an evil genius is what you are. If this works, you're, you're some kind of a, a evil genius. Honest to God. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Evil Genius Chronicles. I am your little podcast buddy, Dave Slusher. Welcome to this show. This show is being recorded for January 12th, 2024. It's a new year. Oh, (laughs) it's going to be a good one. Oh, Jesus. First, the business. This show is not kid safe, not work safe, not protected from dog pee in any fashion. Uh, the show is Creative Commons licensed, non-commercial attribution 4.0 unported. Theme music is by the late great band, The Gentle Readers. They're at gentlereaders.com. Bandwidth is via Cashfly under the kind umbrella of Backbeat Media. I don't speak from my day job. I don't have a day job. I don't want a day job. You can all go suck it. <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying that, but it makes me laugh. I listen to... I believe uh, listener and patron uh, Eric Peterson turned me onto this uh, podcast called Just Ace, which is all about the 90s Australian music scene. So, uh, you know, effectively um, of the bands they're talking to talking about Frente and Silverchair are kind of like two of the biggies that made it over here during that like grunge and post grunge era. And there's a number of bands they talk about and they play the music of, and I quite like them. And I've never fucking heard of these bands. And this is one of those. Um, it's the band UMI, not like an acronym, but like you are me stated slightly differently. UMI. This is from their album, Dress Me Slowly. And it's a song called Damage. It is actually more mellow and contemplative. Most of their songs are kind of like up tempo power pop rockers. This one is like slow melancholy and it just kind of, this is the one that speaks to me because I'm a slow melancholy kind of guy. That's me. Alrighty. Here you go. This is uh, UMI with Damage.
All right, that was UMI from the album Dress Me Slowly with Damage. And there's I have heard a lot of um, bands on that podcast that it's a, it's another homework podcast because as I listen to them, I think, boy, I should listen to some of these bands. And then I think, well, when am I? When am I, I don't know. Uh, I I have in my head all these projects I want to do. Like at one point I thought, I should re-listen to like all the Kate Bush in chronologically. And then I thought I should listen to every in excess chronologically. And then as I start thinking about that, like I thought, well, I would like to listen to every queen album chronologically. It's like, Holy shit. There's a lot of bands. I could just spend all my time every day, just listening to uh, bands, discographies in chronological order. I don't believe that's going to happen, but you never know. So I think we're kind of back to normal in the post-holiday, post-chaos, post-dog-adopting everything. <laughs> Here's how nutty the schedule was last week. I couldn't record the show on Monday because of New Year's Day. Uh, or Tuesday just didn't happen. Wednesday, I recorded the show. I did not get it edited and published until Sunday. So when I was talking in that show about the all the dog peeing in the house business, this is much fresher in my mind than it usually is because I literally just edited the previous show <laughs> like out, like 12 hours ago. But one of the things that I suggested in that show was that I should get some cameras so that I can look downstairs, see when the dogs are sleeping and see uh, when they wake up. And in fact, I did that. They got delivered yesterday and I've got a camera in the uh, living room. Uh, I set it up. It was a TP-Link Tapo. And I bought it specifically because it's kind of cheap and it works with Home Assistant pretty easily. So I set that thing up. I've got it in Home Assistant. I full screened the video. So I'm watching two of the three dogs nap, and particularly the PE peeing dog is uh, I'm keeping an eye on that one. So uh, if I see motion out of the <laughs> corner of my eye, show is over, <laughs> or at least the show recording is paused. Thank you, Home Assistant. Thank you, Tapo, TP-Link. Uh, thank you, Nerdum in general. Between Christmas and New Year's, we had an appointment in the upstate, and we went for the first road trip in the Audi. So we've been we've been to Florence. We went to uh, that Power Comic Con. I didn't really consider that uh, a road trip per se because it's about a sixty mile drive. It's you know I can you can go there and back on one charge. So this was the first road trip that for sure there had to be charging or you could not get home. So we're going to Greenville. 
I had used a better route planner, which I believe Adam Rittenauer uh, suggested in the uh, Evil Genius Chronicles Discord. I believe b- pretty much uh, Paul Fisher and Adam are every suggestion I've ever had. <laughs> <I'm> tr- <coughs> Not to slight somebody else, uh, but I think those two are the EV drivers and, and the EV experts uh, amongst the crew here. So he suggested that. And I, in general, I like that um, program. It is weird in that as I was driving, it was trying to tell me that it was crucial that I charge now or I was going to be stranded. But I had 30% charge. I don't know why the route planner thought my charge was empty when I still had plenty of charge, but I had to kind of ignore it. Actually, at one point, I knew what charger I was going to. I was going to make it in plenty of time. So I had to turn that thing off and just go back to Waze and tell it to send me to that thing because I was tired of the thing trying to reroute me to weird emergency charge places. There's a place in Irmo, South Carolina, which is kind of like a northern suburb of Columbia, It was a quarter mile off the interstate, not at all inconvenient. We got there close to lunchtime. It's in a Walmart, which is in a shopping center, which has ample uh, McDonald's, which is, of course, what the kid wanted. So it was no problem. And I don't know how long we spent there, maybe 15 to 20 minutes in the charger. Then we went to McDonald's. There was a slight um, thing where we had there was some weirdo. (laughs) This guy was just weird, um, who was in the spot and he offered to move. And I don't even remember why he was willing to move. He was at like 80% charge and he was charging to a hundred, which is kind of a dick move when people are waiting. And at some point people were waiting and he's charging from, you know, cause you slow down charging from 80 to a hundred. So kind of like the common etiquette is you charge to 80 and you get the hell out. Um, only if you're on a road trip where it's dicey and you need that extra 20%, like in general, I don't charge to 80% at the house, but before this road trip, I charge to a hundred. You know, that sort of thing. So he was waiting and then there, you know, all four spots were in use at, you know, 11 a.m. on a Wednesday. Then a fifth person comes up. And at this point, I had maybe three minutes left on my charge. So I, you know, told him that I was like, you know, just hang out. I'll be done. I think the the weirdo dude and me were done at uh, the identical time. So we both left, uh, you know, at the same time. Electrify America is owned by the Volkswagen Motor Group, which, you know, my Audi is part of that. With the purchase of my used Audi, electric Audi, I got uh, a thousand credits. Did I get 500 or a thousand? I think I got a thousand credits at Electrify America charging. And I figured it out. I didn't, there was no indication of what a credit means. Is this a dollar? Is this a, what is this? What's the unit of this credit? Turns out it's a kilowatt. So I have a thousand kilowatts that I can get from uh, Electrify America um, charge stations for free. This is the fourth time I've been to one. It the use your credit thing worked once. The other three times I paid cash because the fucking thing just doesn't work. Either I ended up uh, plugging the charger and starting it with my credit card, and then calling Electrify America customer service saying, "Why does this thing not work?" And they sa- said, "Oh, there's an issue with the Audi app." It's, it seems like it's always the Audi app. So that kind of bums me out. And she said, don't worry, your credits don't expire for almost four years. So you've got plenty of time to, you know, and I was, I didn't argue with her, but I said, I've had, you know, I've got four years of credit on this thing. I've had the car for four months. I have used 30 of the 1000 credits because this shit doesn't work every other time. If I keep using credits at the pace I have used them thus far, I will only get to use a third of them because the thing never works when I actually need it. So uh, it's kind of um, 
an academic benefit that I have these credits at all if they don't ever fucking work. But in general, we charged in uh, Columbia. We drove to Greenville. We did our stuff. Um, at one point, the kid wanted to go to the Greenville Zoo, which had a free charger. And the free charging spots were right there by the front. So you got the best parking spot in the house and free charging. Like your free library charging things like that are generally um, seven kilowatt stations. That's what this was. And, you know, we charged, we were there for an hour plus and it added, what did it add? Maybe 20 miles to my range, which didn't move the needle. But, you know, later on down the line, uh, if I needed more buffer, then, uh, you know, it was helpful. And we uh, did our stuff left. We ended up charging at a Circle K. And although there was a Circle K electric vehicle thing, this one you didn't use that. This was a different one. <laughs> I don't remember. I think it was the Shell. It, the Circle K was not a Shell, but it had a Shell charging station. So alliances are getting weird. <laughs> the EV world makes for strange bedfellows. Then we spent the night in Columbia. Um, and uh, I I kind of well, – we stopped in Columbia Right in the same shopping center we were before, on our way out, we noticed that there was a Korean hot pot place. We've never had Korean hot pot. Kid has never had Korean barbecue. So we said, you know what? We could eat there on the way back. So um, my idea, what I wanted was to go back the same day. I wanted to just spend the night in my own bed. So we got to Columbia maybe 6 o'clock. I said, we'll just have this dinner and then we'll go home. We'll be home by 9. Well, that hot pot dinner took two hours. By the time we left, we're full of Korean food. Um, we're uh, tired. So we ended up just getting a hotel nearby and uh, calling it good. But then I didn't quite have enough charge to make it all the way home. So I had to stop in – where the hell did I stop? I, th- I stopped in Bennettsville where they have a public charger. It's a fast charger, but it's on the slow end of fast charge. I think it was 50 kilowatts, something like that. But it was enough to get me home. It was one of those ones, and this is – other EV drivers might do this when they're in similar situations. I probably can make it, but I don't want to push my luck. <laughs> I, tried, I think I added like 30 or 40 miles to this thing just to not push my luck. I, Doing the math, I had enough to get home, but I would have had like 15 miles left when I got home. I was like, I want more margin than that. So all told, it was fine. When you're on the road, when you're out and about um, – you're buying yourself a little more pain in the ass. Certainly, if you if if you're getting an EV and your job is to drive from you know Missouri to Colorado a lot, apparently there's one EV fast charger in Hayes, Kansas, and then when that one's down, nobody can go across the state of Kansas in an EV. They're just kind of fucked. In general, there are certain people. Michael Butler, who drives from San Francisco to the mountains all the time, uh, this would be a terrible uh, idea for him. But for me, mostly driving around the house. Also, I had the option of taking the old Subaru if I wanted to. If I was worried, I could have taken the gas Subaru. So there's a proof of concept. It worked out all right, but uh, I'm kind of glad I have these options. I I had multiple things I could have done. We also weren't on a timetable. We had... We were on a timetable getting there because we had an appointment with a time, but we had all the time in the world to get back. It was, you know, the we're on Wednesday afternoon of a holiday week. Who cares how long it takes? So the final uh, verdict on the first road trip was uh, perfectly fine, not ideal, but uh, acceptable. One of the things that has happened in the last couple days of the holiday is I just started playing solitaire on my tablet. It's like a retired old man thing, <laughs> just solitaire and just plain up nothing uh, special Klondike solitaire. 
Like Klondike Sol if you don't know there's more than one kind of solitaire, you're playing Klondike Solitaire. The you know, seven rows, the the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, you know, face down cards, all that stuff. Um or you put the aces up in the corner. Uh, that's Klondike Solitaire. There's others. There's Spider, and there's I. There was a point in time as a kid in Kansas, growing up in Kansas, where you had to make your own fun. There was certainly a time. I probably read it in the Hoyle's Rules of Games book, where uh, there was a time where I probably could have played six or seven different kinds of Solitaire, <laughs> because that's how you manufacture your fun in rural Kansas in the '80s, when you don't have a cell phone, you don't have the internet, um, you got a deck of cards. How will you keep yourself busy? Is like. I don't need to keep myself busy. I'm playing literally the most boring game in the world precisely because it is the most boring game in the world. No problems there. I talked maybe a month ago about the just the complete burden of choice and completely locking up when it came to sitting down to watch a TV show and I could not make a decision and it took me so long to make a decision that I, lost, that I no longer had the time to watch a TV show. I have fixed that in my life by being a complete nerd, which is to say I went to Google Sheets and I figured out how to do a weighted average, which mostly involved Google Sheet Googling Google Sheets weighted average. And I found some examples and the functions that will let you do this. And uh, while it's not ideal and I kind of don't like how it looks, it works. So I can go through and uh, I put all the TV shows that I actively conceivably could watch. If I have an hour to watch a show or an episode or two of a show, I have an hour of TV watching. What should I watch? I can go to this thing and it will just pick a random show. And Danger Man is like highly weighted so that there's about a 30% chance it will be a Danger Man. But there's a bunch of others and they're kind of weighted higher and lower based on, you know, like what priority I assign to them. And oh my God, this thing is a fucking game changer. I also did the same thing for movies and for activities. So if I'm not sure what I should do next, I've got things in there like, do yard work, do watch a TV show, watch a movie, read a book, read comic books. And again, those are everything in here is weighted. So what I'm going to do is in the show notes at evilgeniuschronicles.org, I will have a link to this Google sheet and you're welcome. It will be a read only link. You're welcome to copy it. If you want a similar thing, I send it to Merle Lafferty because in her show, she was talking uh, uh, maybe somewhere in the fall about the same issue just being locked up on choice, not knowing what to do next. Not because you don't have an option, but because you have too many options. And I sent that to her and I said, hey, give this a shot if you want to. I believe she was talking about rolling dice. Uh, and I, I'm i pretty sure I talked about this on the show because I talked about how I used to roll dice to pick which comic book to read next. So same thing. This, uh, this is now um, solving that issue. It's honestly not much of an issue. And honestly, it's not much of a solution. In that time period, between when I recorded the last show and when I edited and published it, I knew that I talked uh, about 924 Gilman Street and I was giving a certain kind of uh, punk and a certain kind of um, dogmatic person shit. And I really had second thoughts. There was a point in time where, I, you know, it's like Thursday and Friday. I'm thinking, I don't know if what I said was fair. I don't know uh, if it was too, worded too strongly. I honestly, I have zero uh, experience with Gilman Street. Everything I know about it is, you know, third hand at best. So it's like, I don't know if I'm 
um, being harsh. And then I listened to another episode of Turned Out a Punk over the weekend, which had Chris Shiflet, who has been in a various uh, punk bands, but also the Foo Fighters. So he has been through this, right? He's been in crusty punk bands, and also he's been a member of the Foo Fighters. And he said in that episode, he said more or less the exact same shit that I said, which is why, uh, you know, why do you value not making money so highly? Why do you value being broke? Uh, if you can go and play your instrument and make music and make a living at it, or even make a good living at it, who's going to, why should anyone have a problem with that and tell you to stop it? Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> And uh, so uh, I actually felt better about it after I listened to that. I said, you know what? If he's going to say the same things <laughs> as me, then, uh, you know, I can't be that far off. So, uh, I, again, that link will be in the show notes uh, if you're interested. Another thing, which we'll have a link in the show notes, is um, I was listening to Death, Sex, and Money. So somewhere around Thanksgiving, like pre-retirement, um, podcast listening uh, slowed down so that uh, I built up a huge backlog um, such that uh, over the retirement and the holidays, I didn't even clear the backlog until two days ago. So I had about six weeks of shows <laughs> at one point. So I just listened to the final episode of Death, Sex, and Money. Um, it was titled Four Weddings and a Funeral. And so uh, I think the deal is that WNYC has canceled I'm not sure how you cancel a podcast. I think WNYC is no longer funding the production of the Death, Sex, and Money podcast. And so they've been talking about this for a while. They've known this for a while. I mean, 10 years ago or more, like the same thing happened to Harry Shearer and KCRW. And this kind of happens when you have a radio station as your benefactor is sometimes the radio station stops benefacting. <laughs> and now what do you do? But there was a point in there that really rang true with me. And it, it's resonant with some of the things I've been saying on the show over the years. So roughly 25 minutes in, she's talking to comedian Chris Gethard, who uh, is very much an art bum. He, um, one of the ways people know him in the New York City area is he had a cable access show that was, I think, really raw and open and funny. So people knew, he was like one of the people kind of like Tom Green, who managed to parlay some sort of cable access program into uh, like an actual career. So from there, he went to stand-up comedy and did other things. But, uh, you know, the, the struggle. Living in New York City and trying to live an artistic life is uh, it's a hard row to hoe. And he was talking about how he now has a day job. And he's, I don't know, 40 in his mid to late forties. And he took for the first time ever an actual day job where you show up nine to five and that kind of thing. And he was talking about, uh, there's a, this is what I wrote down. I don't remember the exact stuff of that. I remember I said he was talking about achieving dreams and capitalism. And so my recollection is that, um, kind of, he was saying how, um, there's this sense that your motivational speaker types, I won't mention names, but I have certainly talked about them on the show before. The, the you must go live your dreams type. Well, almost nobody actually gets to do that. And in fact, if people did that, the society wouldn't operate because we need people doing the boring stuff or uh, modern civilization stops working. And so he said uh, similar stuff, which is that there's this notion that you have won the game if you're doing your art and surviving. He said, but it was also so difficult to survive that um, it made his life really not very fun. So 
the live your dream, you know, do the job you love and you won't work a day in your life. He said, that's true. He loved the doing of the thing, but also stressing about how are you going to keep providing healthcare for your ch children? That's not fun. And uh, it makes your life really kind of suck. And then when you go take a nine to five and that's, you know, just part of it, uh, that, that stress and that, uh, you know, that burden goes away. And so he's really kind of come around to a different way of thinking, which is what I've been saying all along, which is there's no reason why you can't have your dream and a job. <laughs> it really lowers the burden on your dream to still have your dream. If it gets to be like, don't quit your day job unless and until you can't do both and you have to choose. But that very rarely happens. You know, only, uh, you know, if you, you're offered a tour opening for Def Leppard or something, you know, otherwise just play your band in and around, you know, do a tour in the summer, take your vacation days and do that. You know, otherwise work that in and around your life that that was what he said. I, what I'm saying is these last couple of things are people out in the world saying shit that I've said. <laughs> so maybe I'm not insane. Maybe I'm not a dick and maybe I'm not insane. Now the smart money probably bets the other way. But now we've got a little bit of evidence. All right. On that, I'm going to pause for a second. Dogs still inert. That's good. I had a moment of panic uh, about 20 minutes ago while I was talking. Um, there's a big pause that I'll have to edit out because I realized I wasn't looking at the live stream. I was looking at a still frame. And that apparently I had paused the stream and it was like 15 minutes behind. I said, oh, fuck, what just happened? I had to bring it back to present time. Now I'm watching it present time. I see motion. Uh, note to self, look at the timestamp, compare it to the actual timestamp. Make sure that you're looking at the modern moment. Oh, Ember Mug, thank you so much. Mm. That's warm coffee. That's today coffee and warm coffee. This is uh, truly, my friends, I am living the dream. I started listening to Willosophy uh, from Will Anderson, and I talked about it on the show. Uh, I played his theme song, which uh, I noted at the time might be a dick move. It might be a, a party. It might be a party podcast foul to play somebody else's theme song as a song on your show. But I like the song. And he did a thing recently, like mm, December-ish where he did basically the same thing that Michael Butler and I did with the Corova Digital, right? Where we had two individual shows and then we had Mad at Dad as the supergroup show and then we, the Corova Digital Master Feed had everybody's everything. So he does the Willosophy show. He also does a show called Tofop, which is 30-odd feet of pod, which is a play on the Russell, the horribly named Russell Crowe band, 30-odd uh, uh, feet of grunts. All these people are Australian, by the way, which is uh, part of the deal. This is an Aussie thing. So now his the philosophy feed also has Tofop in it, which is uh, you know a two person banter show, um, and I believe it will eventually have his Australian Rules football show when that starts up again. We're in the off season. The Australian Rules football I believe runs roughly the same times as baseball season, so somewhere in Marchish uh, it starts back up. And the kid and I have actually decided just to be weirdos, we're going to try to uh, watch some AFL. We decided we might become AFL fan, or I don't believe the acronym is ARF, Australian Rules Football. It's not ARF. I think they call it AFL, and I don't know why. But we're going to watch the footy. We're going to watch some Australian footy this year. We have to figure out how to do it. I don't know how to do it, but we're going we're to look at that. But anyway, this TOEFOP started coming down 
the feed. And they what they named their master feed is called Everyone Relax. <laughs> That's like their self-network, their one-person network. So their Corova Digital was Everyone Relax. And part of it is just trying to head off the everyone being angry about how any of the feeds are now all of the feeds. <laughs> which I think is kind of funny. But I will also say, I was kind of grumpy and salty about it. I was like, yeah, now I just have to go delete this fucking thing every time it comes down. So I will give them one episode. And I listened to it, and shock amongst shock, for a two-person banter show, which I listened to uh, Roderick on the line. I listened to, do I listen to any other two-person banter shows? It is a rarity with me. Self-hosted, I guess, is a two-person banter show. Um. But in general, uh, you know, I don't, I don't love those. I listen to either one-person monologue shows or interview-type shows, but um, rarely, definitely not a like six-person matter show. No fucking way. <laughs> well, I couldn't listen to the Dana Carvey show because it was him and like three buddies, and it was unlistenable. But I cannot believe that I liked Tofop. So I am not in any way looking at any back catalog of this thing. But going forward, when they come down that master feed, I'm listening to it. I think it's quite fine, quite um, quite pleasant. And so when his uh, Australian Rules football show starts up, uh, I will, I guess, listen to it. And in fact, if it for some weird reason doesn't come down feed, I'll probably go and subscribe to that one uh, on its own. Because why not? If I'm going to be a weirdo and just pick an affectation that I love this game. But I used to watch Australian Rules Football. If, you re- if you're my age, you remember when in the early days of ESPN, they did not have Major League Baseball or football or basketball, any major sports. They had the weirdest shit. You watch a lot of rodeo. You watched bowling. Um and a lot of Australian rules football, whatever they could get the the rights to, that was cheap. And then they would do sports and news, but they didn't actually broadcast uh, anything but weird sports. A lot of darts, a lot of billiards. <laughs> a lot of, you know, if if cornhole was a thing back then, they would have been broadcasting cornhole tournaments. I have seen on broadcast uh, cable cornhole tournaments in my life. That would have been the stuff of ESPN in 1982. So uh, it's not that I've never watched Australian rules football. Uh, it's kind of an interesting game. So I'm um, I'm willing to go uh, back <laughs> into it. So it's an affectation, but not as affecty as it could be. I'm not wearing a top hat. <laughs> you know, I'm not that guy. I'm not, you know, walking around with a, you know, a parrot on my shoulder or a snake on my shoulders. <laughs> you know, so there are affectations and then there are affectations. So that's my thing. Speaking of weird countries that are not American, we had vague plans like nothing set in stone but our spring break because of the way easter falls we have i think like an 11 day spring break or a 10 day spring break we were talking about going to visit the uk so spending some time in england spending some time in scotland uh over that week that stretch we never like it wasn't it was a notion it was there's nothing formal. And actually, it turns out we ain't going to do that because that's a time that's uh, a lot of people from England go to Scotland over this week anyway, because it's Easter week. And that's like a thing they do. So we're not fighting with American tourists. We're fighting with English tourists in Scotland. So we decided we'll do that but maybe over the summer, probably, or, you know, some other time, not this time. But before we made that decision. My passport expires in early March, and I absolutely did not want my lack of passport to be the reason why the, the trip couldn't happen. 
And I looked at the passport site at the State Department, and what they said was that um, I think January to April are the busiest times of the year with the slowest handling times. And that October through December is the slowest time of the year with the fastest handling time. I thought, well, let me get my renewal application in in December. And then I can hopefully, you know, it won't be a problem. In the worst case, it can be like 10 to tw- ten to 11 to 12 weeks. It's like, oh, shit, that would be pushing it if I you know, put it in January 15th and it takes 12 weeks. Yikes. So uh, I did not want to have any nail biter in my life. And it took me a while. You know, I retired on December 1st. But by the time I actually got the application in the mail, it was like the 14th or 15th. You know, I by the time I got the picture and did all the stuff, um, you know, it just took a little while. And then I was very nervous. Like, filling out things like that just make me completely nervous that I'm going to do the wrong thing. Like when I did the Indian visa seven or eight years ago, um, I found it nerve-wracking. Because, uh, you know, one thing wrong, it really screws this up. And I didn't actually have time to take a second swing at the pinata. So I, it had to go through the first time. I was given enough time to prepare for my first trip to India, but not a huge amount of time, not a lot of time. So I needed to do this thing expedited. I was worried about every single line of that application that I would do the wrong thing and get the thing denied. And now I'm screwed. And I was kind of the passport renewal application way shorter, but I was still worried about I'm double checking, triple quadruple checking every single character that I've entered on this application. Get the thing in the mail, priority mail, middle of December. Um, And because I do priority mail, I get the shipping and I see, you know, two days later it gets to Philadelphia and it says arrived at post office. It never, ever says delivered. It still hasn't said delivered. And I thought, okay, I'm not going to stress out about this. My worry was it made it to the post office and then fell in a crack somewhere or, and it never actually made it into the PO box for the state department to process it. It's like, fuck what is happening here? I said, I'm just not going to worry about it. It made it to the post office. I'm just going to assume everything's all right. And I thought that the, the state department site says, give it a few weeks and then you can track it track the progress of your passport from us. You know, once we've entered it in the system, you can see where it is. And and said, I'm just going to wait until after the first of the year. Then I'll look at the state department and see if they have received my application. And if I, they haven't, then I'm going to panic. Um, and I'm really going to panic because my passport's already been <laughs> mailed with the first one. Uh, so I don't have my passport to renew because it was in the first packet. It's like, Oh shit. So uh, the mail comes the first day that it you know is delivered after the new year, and I have a priority mail envelope from the State Department. I'm like, what the? And it's got my new passport in it. <laughs> so it took, I think, three weeks, which includes Christmas and New Year's, and I got my passport back. So it probably took them like eight days of processing time to, to turn the thing around, which I find kind of amazing. And the new passport is weird. It's got like hard plastic pages with my picture on it, which uh, my previous one didn't have. Now the thing, um, the only problem in any of this is I've got my passport back, the new passport. I've got my passport. I have yet to get anything else. I haven't got the card that lets you into Canada and Mexico. I haven't got the new card. I've got neither my old passport or my old card back. And I want that old passport back because that's the one from my entire tenure at ServiceNow. So it's got every one of my trips. It's got all the stamps from all my trips to India, from my trips to Australia and New Zealand, you know, my exit and my entrance from Fiji. 
<laughs> go back to that weird story about uh, you know changing planes in Fiji and confusing customs so long it took 45 minutes of talking to them to talk my way out of it. <laughs> Yikes. So all that shit is in Sweden, Denmark. You know, where else did I go? India. Jesus. I've been to India, I don't know, six times. So uh, I, I want all that. Uh, that's, uh, that uh, is an important, probably the most interesting and uh, consequential passport I'll ever hold in my life. We got a good news, bad news situation. The good news is the system worked exactly as planned. I saw stirring out of the corner of my eye. Dog was up. I went screaming downstairs. <laughs> Didn't even stop the recording. I just went down the stairs. I got down there and maybe... 15, 20 seconds, something like that. Uh, intercepted him, took the dog out. No pee in the house. Great. The bad news is I have no idea what the hell I was talking about. I think I was towards the end of talking about my passport. Um, and uh, we're done with that topic. We're done with all topics of, that were previously. We're just starting uh, anew. Actually did. It took them about an hour to get resettled. So uh, dog is once again asleep, napping on the floor. Um, so it's like when you record the show in two halves an hour apart, it's, they might as well many year apart <laughs> as far as that goes, as far as that goes for me. I want to talk about one thing. I, I have started listening to the, and I say I started, it's been at least a year, maybe two years. The podcast, I said, no gifts. I heard Bridger Weiniger as a guest on, uh, do you need a ride? These are like, do you need a ride is one of my favorite podcasts. It's just so ridiculously high concept. Karen Kilgariff comedian, but also, uh, in the podcast world, the host of my favorite murder. So in a certain way, she's one of the ones responsible for this true crime podcast. Um, what would you call it? Glut onslaught. And uh, Chris Fairbanks, who is a comedian, I really like. I just like this cat. He, he, I find him pleasant, and he makes me laugh. And they uh, drive people around in L.A. and podcast with them from the car. <laughs> so they record a conversation with them. For a while there, they were picking them up uh, from the airport or taking them to the airport. But they got so tired of dealing with LAX that now sometimes they're driving around for nothing. Sometimes they'll actually like be taking them to their sets. <laughs> Uh, they will in a situation where they would have called an Uber. They just they're, they're right. It's uh, kind of fascinating, and I love it. But th this guy Bridger Weiniger was a guest on there, and I thought he was really funny. And then he does a podcast on Karen Kilgariff's network, the Exactly Right Network. And it's called I Said No Gifts, and the premise is he tells them I said no gifts, and the guests always bring a gift, and then they talk about the gift. And he always chastises them. And the one of the meta jokes of the show is every single title is whoever the guest is. You know, Nicole Byers disobeys Bridger. That's every title is whoever disobeys Bridger and brings a gift. And it's, I kind of I like that concept, too. Um, and he just mentioned this on one of the recent episodes, and I didn't know any of this existed. I'm going to put a link to this as well in the show notes. But there is podcast merch for the I Said No Gifts uh, podcast. And it is not at all the merch of any other podcast I've seen. So it is a gift-based podcast. And they play some games. And one of the games they play is Gift Master, where they give you three. He gives his guest three gifts and three people. It's like F. Mary Kill, but for gifts. And you have to decide which of the three celebrities gets which of the gifts. <laughs> you know, it's a fun game. And so it's basically a card game, I think, where you have, you know, stacks of uh, people 
cards and gift cards. You shuffle them up and you get dealt three of each and then you have to match them up. And I don't know how you score or, you know, I don't know, like a fun party game. That's part of the merch for his show. The other part of the merch for that is wrapping paper. <laughs> it's like, God damn it. That is so, such a good idea. They have this gift-based podcast. So they have, I said, no gifts, wrapping paper. I might buy some of this shit. <laughs> I might buy both of those things. It's completely hilarious. And what that's really uh, kicked off in me is trying to think what podcast merch would there be that is both um, completely thematically consistent with this show, which strike one right there, thematically consistent with the show. The show is not thematically consistent with itself. So <laughs> you got a little bit of a problem, but then also useful in the life of the kind of person who listens to the show. So like a nerd, the boring dull answer would be like a thumb drive, but you know, ideally not something that would be in the swag bowl at every conference you've ever been to. <laughs> so well, uh, if you have ideas on that, you can reach out to me. Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Because uh, I'm curious. I might, I got a little more time. I might be in the market for researching this sort of thing. Given my recent obsessions, Evil Genius Chronicles pencils wouldn't be out of the uh, realm of possibility. Like a really tiny version of the logo and e Evil and the Earl on it. That wouldn't be bad. I would I, see if we can make that happen. Last uh, topic, I think. Here's the other thing. When I ran screaming out of here, uh, I was so focused on the dog not peeing. I didn't even stop the recording. So I have no idea how long I recorded the first time because it was, I came up here half an hour later. I came up here to stop it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I don't know. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know. There's like, like somewhere between 20 and 40 minutes of silence in this file. I don't know if the show will be long or short. Cory Doctorow, who I uh, talked about his novel that I'm not digging in the previous show, he did coin, you know, in the last year, he coined this term in shitification, where you get a business that operates in one way and then they make their offerings worse. There's, a, you know, a real world, physical world example of this as, you know, candy bars get smaller over time, right? They, they cost the same, but they get smaller. And he points out things like, you know, services that gets worse, services that were open that stopped being open, uh, you know, stop letting you do as much stuff. Um, MyQ that does the smart, like Chamberlain garage doors um, for the longest time. Um, that One of the very first things I did with Home Assistant was hook up my MyQ. Uh, I got the MyQ smart hub that makes any dumb garage door a smart internet connected garage door. What it is is. Uh, the simplest thing, it's got a Wi-Fi radio and then a IR blaster or a, like a garage door opener blaster. <laughs> and you just tell it, you know, you train it as if you were training a new garage door opener and then it can just open your garage door. It sends the same signal that your garage door opener does. And for the longest time, MyQ could, worked with Home Assistant, one of the very first things I hooked up to it. And they uh, have closed um, that pathway. So you can't access those APIs anymore. It's like, fuck you guys. <laughs> so, so now this thing that used to be super useful is like barely useful for me. It's not, it's not zero useful, but it was great. I used to be able to use home assistant to send me a notification if it's 9 PM and my garage door is still open. I can't do that kind of shit anymore. And so it bums me out. Plex is definitely, um, one of these kinds of, uh, well, the two things, very similar, uh, very similar in 
concept and in the direction of initiatification. I've used Plex for some time, and I've used my Kindle for what at least a decade at this point. And both of them are getting initiatified because both of them um, are are associated with content creation companies. And I have learned the hard way. Um, going forward, I'm not buying any hardware from somebody who uh, wants to sell me content. I've learned the hard way, like with the Amazon tablets, the Amazon stuff. I'm not buying any more Amazon things like that. No more Amazon hardware. No more Fire Sticks or, you know, no more. Uh, I'm probably never buying another Echo device. Um, uh, I'm just kind of out of that. And for the same reason, which is I just don't want I don't want my content life uh, wrapped up in my uh, hardware life. And so Plex started out, it was, I think, never open source, but it was kind of, I mean, we know the direction Plex um, started out in. While they talk about, you know, ripping your own media, there's like a wink and a nod to how people might be getting that media. And while uh, I'm saying nothing publicly, I may have some media gotten exactly the same way. And more and more, it seems like they're about to start, like they might start uh, ratting you out for what you have in your Plex. They've done something. They, they, they talked about this on self-hosted. I don't remember the ins and outs of it, but they were raising the alarm around Plex, how it's like sharing with other people what's in your library, or I don't even remember what the, I don't remember what the thing was. was. I'm still using Plex. Their suggestion is Jellyfin, which is an open source alternative. And I used it a little bit, I think a year ago from their show. So January, 2023, they had the Jellyfin challenge, which was encouraging everybody to just use Jellyfin, report issues, fix issues. If you had the ability to do that, you know, just like increase the traction of the community so that uh, the product could get better and it would be more viable for people to switch over to it. I used it and it wasn't unusable, but it's also, for example, the PlayStation has a Plex app. And you can just watch things on it that way, but it has no Jellyfin app. So you, know, you had to do a weird janky thing where you opened a web page and then opened the Jellyfin web page. So it, it was not really usable that way. I believe, if I recall correctly, there is a Roku Jellyfin app. So that was easier on the Roku TV. But in general, using Jellyfin was just more of a drag in ways that uh, Plex is not. But I may just have to bite the bullet and try Jellyfin. Also, nerds like me are supposed to love Docker. And uh, so many times, self-hosted is one of these, but lots of nerd things to say, oh, just fire up a Docker image. Docker to me, some of the things you're supposed to love as a nerd, you're supposed to love Docker, you're supposed to love Kubernetes. They've been, they're always such a fucking pain in the ass. Every time I ever into one of them. I suppose if I had more background in either one of them, uh, it would be easier for me. But, oh yeah, just configure like just so how do you configure it? What do you do? Just all the minutia of how you deal with this thing, which is second nature to uh, the people saying just use it. Um, it's a drag to me and I, I don't know how to do it. And I, I spent two hours Googling for every time I set up a Docker image and they say, oh yeah, it'll take three, three minutes to set this up. It's like, I don't know how to configure this fucking thing. So uh, I have a Jellyfin Docker image. By the way, I fire on my NAS, which where I have, you know run similar things like that, the Synology NAS. And I have a Jellyfin Docker image, and it just doesn't work. It stopped running. 
and I restarted it and it doesn't do anything and I don't know why and I can't find the logs and I don't remember how to find the logs for a Docker image and I don't know what to do when your Docker image just doesn't work. Like it appears to be doing like literally nothing. I don't know what to, I don't know what to do. So this is like the downside of, uh, you know, all these nerd things. So Plex is a thing we're supposed to migrate off of, but also the alternative fucking sucks. And with Kindle, I just kind of generally want to get away from it, mostly because I want Amazon out of my pockets. I don't want them to know everything I read. I, I don't, I, I, let's put it this way. I've lost trust in Amazon as a responsible party. They already know everything I buy. I don't want them to know everything I read and everything I listen to. So I'm looking to get out of them somewhat. You know, I, I, I don't want them to be the core of my life. You know, the, the ecosystem of everything I buy, do, eat, read, listen to, watch. You know, I just want to go away from them. So I've been looking, and I love my Kindle as a device. So I've been looking at non-Amazon e-ink readers. And it is a drag. Part of the reason why you buy these Amazon hardware devices is because they're so linked to their content business, they are defraying some of the cost. They're artificially cheap because they know they're going to get it back on the content. So when you go and buy a third-party um, device from somebody who doesn't have that, you're you're paying the actual manufacturing cost, which uh, it's much like buying a, a cell phone, an unlocked cell phone. When you don't have uh, you, the, the company defraying some of the cost from your plan, your expensive monthly plan, uh, just buying a phone is grossly expensive. <laughs> you buy it through uh, AT&T and it's, you know, $400 and you buy it unlocked and it's $1,400, you know, something like that. Um, and it's a similar thing, which is, uh, you know, Kindle costs 100, 150 bucks. Then you buy it, uh, a similar device at like 400 bucks. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. So I've looked around, um, the device I probably want would be an Onyx Books. A and they have uh, this these models that are have color e-ink. Now, it's not like rich, you know, million color uh, that you're used to because underneath all of this, every one of those pixels you're looking at is like a spinny magnetic ball. Uh, and they've just done something so that they're, so they, I think they have 4096 colors. So roughly the color palette of a 1960s comic book, you know, a pre-digital printing uh, comic book. And I would get the 10 inch one that is color so that I could read comic books on it with some, they wouldn't be, it would be somewhat washed out. Like if you read a modern comic on that thing, but I think it would probably be acceptable. The problem is that device that I want is like, $500. I am just not paying $500 for a thing I don't actually need. I mean, I have a tablet on which I read comic books, which is just fine. I have an e-ink Kindle on which I read books. It's just fine. I don't need, need this device. I would like this device. And so that's just too much money to drop on a nice to have. Uh, so I've been haunting eBay and I occasionally, if I will see one like in the $300 range, I might, I have put a bid on, I think exactly one and it almost immediately shot way beyond what I was willing to pay. Like, you know, the classic eBay start low and end up high. You start high, you get no bids. You start low and you get a bid higher than where you wanted to start before. I don't know. I'm trying to get myself out from under 
the enchidification uh, process. It's always the quality triangle. You can have open, cheap, good, or you can pick any two of those. Open and good, open and cheap, uh, cheap and good. Uh, but you can't have all three of any of them. So it's a bummer. If any of you get a line on a cheap Onyx Books uh, color, well, the 10-inch color, because with my old eyes, uh, anything smaller than 10-inch, I just can't read comics on them because it's too small. Um, the other thing about that books is it runs Android and has the Play Store on it. So uh, that's just better to me than some of these whacked out. Uh, you know, they probably are cheaper, uh, like cheaper Chinese devices. Um, if you're willing to have an interface, not in English, uh, you get some pretty cheap ones. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm unwilling to go that quite that route. But anyway, if you get a line on such a thing, send one to me, Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org. That's always how you can reach out to me. Also, another way you can reach out to me is the way these people did when we do this. It is time once again for a thing we call the reading of the patrons. The following people went to bit.ly, bit.ly slash EGC Patreon, and pledged to support to keep the shambling mess shambling. Thank you to Derek Coward, Adam Rittenauer, Ken Kennedy, Paul Fisher, Arhuli, Robert Harvey, Paul Smith, Andrew Heron, Grant Bachoko, Tony Ewing, Craig Stepp, Paul Reynolds, Shannon Nelson, Charlotte Kennedy, Leah, the Enigmagic Angela Lee, Chuck Tomasi, Stuart Maxwell, Michael Butler, Bruce Lerner, Skeeter Murphy, Robert Gibson, Len Edgerly, Michael Street, Neil Forker, Dyko, Brian Springer, Rob Usden, John Gehring, Wayne Pittenger, Brian Jones, Joe Pollock, Jeff Dangle, J.P. Shippard, Steve Holden, Brian Hogan, Matt Beckwith, and patron in exile, Nutty Nukchas. Thank you, one and all, for supporting the shambling mess. And with that, let us kill the music. For once in my miserable life, I remembered to actually leave a hole for the reading of the patron. Ever since I've been doing the pre-recorded ones, uh, I, I I don't do that. <laughs> so when I do remember to do it, I throw myself a parade. Woohoo! I got to go. Uh, the parade leaves in three minutes. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I appreciate your attention. I appreciate the support from the patrons or just anything. Uh, people always talk about the rate the show uh, so other people can find it and blah, blah, blah. I don't care. Do what you want to do. Rate it. Don't rate it. They'll find it or they won't. Who cares? But I do appreciate everybody who writes, who sends me feedback, uh, who sends me nice things. <laughs> I highly appreciate it. I got a Christmas present from a listener and uh, it was wonderful. And I thank you so much. I hope you all go out uh, and have yourself a good 2024. I hope it's going all right. I'm looking at a dog sleeping and a very old, very troubled, very sickly dog sleeping on my living room floor. And I think it's just, I'm living in paradise. I think it's fantastic. I'm going to finish this up and go down and hopefully be around uh, the next time he has to go pee. Not in the house. Oh, life is so good. Thank you again. Show notes will be up at evilgeniuschronicles.org. The aforementioned email, Dave at evilgeniuschronicles.org is how you reach me. Um, bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash E-G-C Patreon and whatever else 
Mastodon me if you need to Mastodon me. Uh, there you go. Thank you for listening. I will see you again. I love you. Dog is moving. Bye. Every step of fucking adventure.